The scripture this morning is from the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out, and I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up and do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Word of God, word of life. Kelly. Once upon a time, I knew everything. I was 19 years old and I knew everything. Imagine that. I was taking a break from college one winter semester and my parents' idea was that I would live at home and find something useful to do, like an internship that would help me figure out what I wanted to do with my life. After a few weeks at home for the Christmas break, very much under my parents' thumb, I wanted nothing of the sort. I was used to the newfound freedom of college and living my own life, and my parents were cramping my style. So after some pretty heated arguments, I packed up a few things and bummed a ride down the highway to my sleepy college town, to, well, I'm not sure, to be with my friends, I think. I had no job, no plans, very little money in my bank account. Another small issue that I failed to contemplate before taking off was that I had no place to stay. So I depended on the generosity of a few good friends for several weeks, couch hopping from dorm to dorm, that grew old pretty fast, both for me and for my friends. I was miserable, a little scared, really tired of moving around all the time. At the same time, I was too stubborn to crawl back home. Mom and Dad, if you're listening out there, you were right. I should have found a boring internship and stayed home. 
Instead, eventually I got a job washing dishes from 5 to 8 a.m. every morning at the local bakery. I rented a closet in a really crowded college house, and then I wondered what there was to do for the rest of the semester while all my friends were busy. Don't get me wrong, I don't regret that time in my life. It's a very tame, privileged, privileged story of a wilderness exile, I admit. But I did get a small taste for what it might be like to be away from home, estranged from your family, and the energy it takes to move from place to place to place. And I have to tell you quite honestly, I remember feeling so close to God and utterly dependent on God that all would be well with time. These words from the prophet Isaiah written some 2,600 years ago were written to a people who had been couch hopping. Well, much more than couch hopping, they had been living in exile, dislocated from their home, exiled from their identity, driven from their family and all that was safe and familiar for more than 150 years. Jerusalem, their homeland, had been destroyed. Their temple had been burned. The Israelites had been captured and deported to Babylon under the reign of an oppressive superpower. It's in the context of this exile, this wilderness place, that the ancestors of our faith groaned and cried out for protection, for intervention, for possibility, for an end to a long, hopeless wait. Finally, when all seems lost, God speaks into the emptiness with the words we heard spoken this morning and the words we heard sung throughout our service. God has planned comfort for the exiles, and nothing can prevent it. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. A super highway in the desert is planned so that those experiencing exile and vulnerability can make it home safely, quickly, and with forgiveness. This is the God who we worship and to whom we pray. A God whose prime concern is for, for us is for welcome, welcoming us home with forgiveness. I wonder how this passage hits you this morning on the second Sunday of Advent. Are you someone who is couch hopping right now? Perhaps not literally, but metaphorically in some aspect of life or in your life of faith. 
Are you bouncing around, displaced from your center, isolated from your wholeness, or just wandering through your own personal wilderness? Wilderness is rarely a place we choose for ourselves. Illness, loss, trauma, strained relationships, disappointment, change, and other hardships often take us to the wilderness. And if so, this passage is for you. It has always been for you. And if not, if you are fortunate to be in your true home and in your wholeness, this passage is here for you too. Because you have likely been in the wilderness before. And because just as God calls upon the prophet Isaiah to publicly announce God's comfort and forgiveness, God may, be, may just be calling you to proclaim that tenderness to those who desperately need to hear it. We pray especially today for those near and far who are facing their own exiles, who are unhoused, those who know depression, anxiety, or addiction, those who are waiting for employment, those who are waiting to be reconciled with loved ones, those who are waiting for diagnoses or treatments. We keep watch today with those who are displaced, with those who are unsafe, by those who are traumatized by the ravages of war. I love the image of a superhighway leading home to the comfort and forgiveness of our God. But we have to ask ourselves, why is scripture inviting us to ponder and dwell on the other side of that superhighway in the wilderness in these weeks leading up to Christmas? It's because in the wilderness our true powerlessness is felt. In the wilderness, there is no safety net under the tightrope on which we are walking. In the wilderness, our illusions of self-sufficiency fall away and are revealed to be just that, illusions. In the wilderness, we have no choice but to watch and wait in hope for God's presence, God's mercy, God's breaking into the world. In the wilderness, our hearts soften toward repentance, making possible for us to meet and receive God's love just as we are. It's no wonder that all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, announce Jesus' coming by way of John the Baptist in the wilderness, directly quoting the poetry of Isaiah. For Christians who bear witness to Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection, Jesus is the incarnation of God, the incarnation of God's comfort and homecoming of which the prophet foretold. Jesus is the superhighway out of the wilderness towards God's good news that comes in an unexpected baby born in a lowly manger, 
but it is in those wilderness spaces and places in our lives where we sense who and whose we are and where we are meant to be. So it's tempting to join the rest of the world and take a nosedive toward December 25th as quickly as possible. But for now, it is so good for us to wait, to watch, to prepare our hearts for the road home. Thanks be to God who promises to come near. Amen.